Good morning, welcome to Evangel Church Online, a safe place for everyone to explore faith in Jesus. And this morning, we're gonna be talking about how the good news of Jesus can transform your life. Valentine's Day story for okay. you. So back in the day I worked, well I've actually worked at Starbucks like three separate times <laughs> in my life um, because somehow I just keep circling back there. Although, yeah, I keep circling back there. But one of my favorite days of the year to work was actually Valentine's Day um, because it was like always such a fun time. You got to see like all of the people come in that were like first daters. Okay. And you could like pick them out and we'd have like conversations over our headsets of like, do you think they're on a first date? <laughs> Um, and so it was always such a fun time to work and so I kind of like every Valentine's Day I kind of think about how I miss that. That is kind of fun. Like I worked retail. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you worked so in a card store, right? I did. Yeah. So Valentine's Day and Christmas Eve were both fun because it was the last minute, <laughs> always Friday. men, um, <laughs> always men, last minute getting stuff for their significant others. Yeah. And it was so fun because they were just in jokey moods and knew that they had left it way too long and so if you're so if you're joining us on our stream today and you're like having a little bit of like cold sweats right now it might be too late and that leads us to our game yeah sucks doesn't suck sucks doesn't suck and we're gonna go through some like classic valentine's day things mm -hmm. And we want to hear if you think that they suck or don't suck. And we're going to give our opinion, maybe unpopular opinion, but here we go. Okay. Okay, Valentine's cards. I am going to say it sucks. Not, I, I love words of affirmation. I'm a words of affirmation person. And I think it's very, very sweet. Mm -hmm. um, when I get cards from Lucas, I'd prefer a card over a gift. But that's $6 on an obscure holiday <laughs> that you do not need to spend. Are you like a card keeper? Are you yes, sentimental? I am, I am. So am I, which is why I say doesn't suck because I actually love getting cards. Flowers, receiving flowers. Like for me to receive flowers? Well, just in general, flowers in general. Oh, like, <laughs> I'm hearing <both. laughs> I, I know, I just, oh. again, I just think it's kind of a waste of money for something that dies really quick. It looks really great on my table for a while, but the end. Yeah. I'm a sucks and doesn't suck okay. because I don't need to receive flowers. Yep. Um, but I like buying flowers. Um, red icing, which happens to be on like everything Valentine's. I hate red. I just don't really like red in general. It's on your teeth. And, and it's bad. <laughs> I I have had no doesn't suck yet, so uh, you know my feelings on Valentine's coming. Day. I think one's coming. Um, chocolate covered strawberries. <gasps> really? I know. I don't really like fruit and chocolate generally. It's just not one of my favorite combinations. I know. Wild, eh? Wow. Your first one. Valentine's dinner out. If you heard me last week, you knew that I like that my ideal date was going out for dinner. So still on Valentine's okay. Day. But it is Valentine's Day dinner out, which means restaurants are packed. There's a like hours long wait time and you're squished, maybe not now because it's COVID, but you're <laughs> squished in like sardines. We went to the Cheesecake Factory one Valentine's Day 
and literally, I think there's about this much space between <laughs> us and the next table, and we ended up talking to each other. We <laughs> were weird. that close. That's weird. Okay, last one. Yep. Stuffed animals for Valentine's Day. Stuffed animals in general are weird. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Just like, what am I gonna do with a pink bear holding a heart that says "Be mine"? <laughs> but I wouldn't do that right away because I would be sentimental and oh, keep true, it for course. a little bit and yes. have to figure out something to do with it mm -hmm. for a year. And then after Christmas, I would do a great purge and get rid of it. Just Marie Kondo it. Right? Yep. So, okay. Um, if you didn't realize from that, again, I'm not a huge fan of Valentine's Promise Day. Promise we're not cynical. Um, but we do love love. So, <laughs> yep. uh, <laughs> we want to hear your comments too and why. Yeah. Don't just tell us like sex or doesn't suck, sell it. Because mm -hmm. you did not do a great job last week debating on why sunsets or sunrises were the best. Right, convince us. Yes. But right now, we are gonna be convinced by Pastor Marcus on why the good news of Jesus can transform your life. So stick with us. Well, good morning, everybody. My name is Marcus. I'm one of those pastors here at Evangel. And I never knew the magnitude of how good I was at overcomplicating things until I went to college. So in your first year of the college that I went to, you have this class, it's called hermeneutics. And hermeneutics is basically just the study of the interpretation of scripture. But in that class, you have a major paper. And the major paper is uh, all about just answering eight-ish questions that you're given. And you don't have a paper, like a page limit. And so you can write as much or as little as you want, and that won't change your mark, um, but the, the mark that you would receive was based on your ability to like answer the questions in completeness. And so me, uh, being a, a person who overcomplicates things, I wrote and wrote and wrote, it was this big crazy process, and I remember sitting down in class ready to hand that paper in. And I looked over at my friend, and he had this like tiny little stack of papers. I was like, how, how many papers, like how many pages did you write of this paper? And he looked at me and said, oh, well I wrote seven. I was like, you wrote how many? Well, seven. And I looked down at my stack of paper and you know how many pages I had written? It wasn't seven. Are you ready for it? It was 31 pages, over 11,000 words were written to answer these eight questions. I couldn't believe that I had written so many more and, and, and overcomplicated the questions because I remember after those pages had been marked that I asked my friend what he received and his mark was not much different than the one that I had received. And so I remember having this moment of like almost awe that I had taken 31 pages to explain the same thing in the same level of detail that my friend had taken seven for. Well, as I was reading and researching for this message, I found myself falling into that same trap of overcomplicating uh, the word of God. And I was reading and trying to just like overcomplicate what was happening. And I had a moment where I just had to sit back and pause and, and, and remember and remind myself that the gospel is something that's simple and yet it's deeply profound. It made me think, how often do we do this with the gospel? where we try and overcomplicate it, where we try and unpack things in a level um, that we're trying to, to have depth with and richness with, but simply in a way that overcomplicates the message. Because I think that we end up missing the simplicity and yet profound message within the gospel. 
Well, St. Jerome had a very classic quote about the Bible, and I think it applies specifically to the Gospels as well. It says, The scriptures are shallow enough to, for a babe to come and drink without fear of drowning, and deep enough for theologians to swim in and never reach the bottom. Well, I think that's such a great quote, and when I need to remind myself of the truth of the Gospel, or everyone I'm trying to share it with others, I can find myself often overcomplicating it and end up missing on missing out on the life transformation that can come by the simple yet incredibly deep message of the gospel. Well, I think this morning what I want to do is maybe invite us back to return to the simplicity of the gospel today because I think the reminder of those simple truths are something that we don't do enough, where we don't do it often enough in our lives where we feel like, oh, well, I'm progressing in Christianity or I'm progressing in faith. And so that means that probably these fundamentals were important at the beginning um, but now I need to build all these things additional and all of these um, understandings and theology and um, even just like basic Christian faith, like I need to move past that and, and get into the like difficult stuff, the like meaty things, the important things. And it's true. They are meaty. They are important. They are something that we need to continually build upon. But I think if we don't have a foundation that we circle back to often, we can often sometimes miss out or, or, or miss the point of the things that come after, the things that we build upon. Because the reality is if we have a foundation that's not firm and that we're not checking, it can begin to degrade and then all that we built on top of it begins to crumble. And so this is really the essence of what we're gonna look at today in our Gospel of John series as we continue with it. Because the good news of Jesus is simple and yet profoundly transformational. It's simple, now note that I didn't say easy, it's simple and yet profoundly transformational. And this is so clear in our passage that we're looking at today. And so I want to turn together to John chapter 1, verses 9 to 18. And we're going to look at this together. If you don't have a Bible, we would love to give you one. So if you want like a physical, like true physical copy, if you go to myevangel.church forward slash Bible, you can fill out a form that will allow you to request one and we'd be able to send one to you. Otherwise, if you just want to go digital, we have some steps to be able to download a digital version of the Bible as well. But we really want to just have that opportunity for you guys to have a Bible in your hand. And so if you're wanting that, don't feel like weird about it. Don't feel like you're asking for something without maybe um, thinking it through, just ask us. We would love to give it to you no matter if we've met you or if you're new with us here on our stream. But we're going to read John chapter 1, verse 9 to 18 together. It says, The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God who were born not of uh, blood nor of the will of the flesh nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, this, is he, this was he of whom I said, he who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. For from his fullness we have received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. Let's pray together before we unpack the word. God, thank you so much that you chose to come near to us, 
that you would become flesh and dwell among each one of us, that you would come to your creation which desperately needs you and have a plan in place that was set before time in order to bring us back into right relationship with you. God, I pray that if we've heard these messages or this simple truth of the gospel in our lives over and over and over again, that we wouldn't take this as an opportunity to tune out, but we maybe lean in to listen to what you have to say to us again, that maybe we need to rebuild some of that foundation. And so God, by your power and by your Holy Spirit, would you speak to us so clearly? And God, if there are any words that come out of my mouth that are from me, Lord, I pray that they would fall away from our ears, that they wouldn't be something that we carry with us, but that the only thing we would carry from this moment and in this stream are the words that you want to communicate to us. And so God, we thank you that you are speaking to us. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Well, up until this point in the first chapter of John, the author has made the point that Jesus was an active part of creation and existed even before time did. And he does this for a reason. It was an important distinction to make because if Jesus had come and, and his existence had started at the moment of his birth, which isn't explicitly mentioned in John, but we see in other gospels is, it would make Jesus something that was created. And so then it created a little bit of a tension point between people or a misunderstanding of who Jesus is. But John makes it very clear that Jesus was there before creation, before time had even existed. And the beginning of John 1 that we've heard um, Pastor Lisa preach on is almost a prequel to the prequel, where he talks all the way before creation, but then in verse 9 there's a turning point, where we jump into the story of Jesus when he chooses to come to earth to redeem his broken world once and for all. John says that the light, Jesus, was coming into the world for everyone, for everyone, for all of mankind not just for some, not just for those who have been waiting for him, but for all people. And the, the word gospel, it means good news. It's a proclamation of Jesus coming to redeem humanity from itself, from its brokenness, from our brokenness, from the separation that we have from our creator because we, uh, back in Genesis, in the very beginning of the Bible, we rebelled against him and so severed in some way that connection or, or at least broke it a little bit. And so now Jesus is coming to redeem that for everyone. And we see that in John's account, the arrival of the light, the arrival of Jesus, that would overcome the darkness in the world and in our personal lives was met with a variety of responses. It wasn't met with fanfare and acceptance all across the board, but it was met with a variety of responses. <clears throat> Verses 10 to 13 says, he was in the world and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of man, nor of the flesh, but of God. Well, we see that there are those who have no understanding of Jesus. It's kind of the first distinction that's made. There are those who are considered his own people, who rejected him, and then the third category is those who believe in him. And the variety of responses in John show that it is our choice of whether or not we want to believe and accept Jesus. We have the choice to either accept or reject him, reject the light that we see in Jesus. And that's an incredible act of love. It can be kind of strange that, that we would be given that choice or that free will to either accept or reject him. But it's an act of love because if we were, if Jesus came and just overrode our ability to choose and forced us 
to believe in him and to love him and respond to him? Well, I don't really think it would be love at all. And so we see in these responses that there is that choice. And that choice is something that we are given by an act of love from God, where we can choose to accept or reject him today. Well, Pastor Lisa last week uh, talked about our responsibility to reflect Jesus to the world and to especially those who maybe don't know him or who, were un who had no understanding of Jesus. And so I feel like I'm giving a little bit of a part two to the light theme and to the reflection theme because it does carry further in John, not just in this chapter, but throughout the whole. Um, and so this morning we're going to be focusing not necessarily on the ones who have no understanding, but right now I want to focus on the two other responses. Because the Jews, which are his own people who uh, did not receive him, they had been pining for their promised Messiah for centuries. They'd been expecting and hoping for his coming for generations and generations and passing on this tradition. They were given all of the scriptures that we find in the Old Testament to be able to understand and to, to uh, see clearly who this Messiah would be. They'd searched the scriptures. They had a responsibility in their, in their faith to memorize the scriptures. And yet when Jesus came, when that promise that they had been pining for forever came, they missed him. They missed him. And, and not only that, but they also actually rejected him. It makes me wonder how often I've missed Jesus working because I was expecting something different. Where my understanding was maybe skewed or that foundation was a little bit unsettled. And so when Jesus did show up in my life, I missed it. How often have I missed out on Jesus to try Jesus shining his light in my life because I've traded the sun for a flashlight. Because I've traded the sun for a flashlight. What I mean by that is I've traded Jesus, the eternal, perfect light of the world, for something that has been created, for something that I created in my mind or, or a belief that I'm believing around me that's not true. I've traded the sun for a flashlight often. Well, I want to encourage you, don't miss him today. Don't miss him today. Maybe even this stream as Jesus is speaking to you, to your heart, to your most inner, in, innermost part, that this is the moment where Jesus is shedding light on your life. Don't miss him today. He wants to be in relationship with you. He wants to speak to you. He wants to make you look more and more like him each day. And the challenge with trading Jesus for a version of him that we've created or something that we think is light but isn't actually light is all, at all is that we begin to reflect that. We begin to reflect something that isn't Jesus to the world that needs only him. Only him. Where we see this in scripture where the Pharisees and the Sadducees had been like the religious leaders and they began to reflect something that wasn't of Jesus, although they knew the scriptures, although they knew um, what the writing in the Bible had said, and yet it wasn't something that transformed their life. It was something that they missed, and so they actually began to reflect something that wasn't of Jesus. And we see that when Jesus challenges them often in the scriptures. And so I think it's good to check in every so often and just simply ask the Holy Spirit and then listen, but to ask him, what have I been reflecting lately? What have I been reflecting lately? Because I think what we reflect is an overflow of the state of our heart. 
What we reflect is an overflow of, of what is going on in our most innermost person and being. And so when we see these responses, they don't really seem like good news when I said that the gospel is good news. But what I'm really thankful for is that this isn't the end of that sentence that John said. This isn't the end of the story. We see that there is actually another option, even for those who don't know him or who have rejected him before. And it's found in verses 12 and 13. It says, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. Many scholars would actually say that those two verses are central to the rest of the first chapter of John and also the entire book of John. Because we saw earlier uh, that John was unpacking the idea that Jesus is our creator. In the beginning of John, if you haven't watched our streams from our last two weeks, I would encourage you to do so because it kind of continues or begins and continues a flow of thought. But we saw that Jesus is our creator. But through salvation, through us believing in him, he's not just our creator. He is also our re-creator. He's our re-creator. Because the reality is we are all broken people. We have made mistakes. We've caused pain for ourselves and for others. But accepting Jesus means that we don't stay broken because Jesus's role is the re-creator. He brings wholeness to our brokenness. He brings life to the things that we thought were dead. In other parts of scripture, he said, they say that we are a new creation in Christ when we believe in him, that he has this power of regenerating things in our lives that we thought were dead. That the brokenness that we find ourselves doesn't just need to be have a patch job. It's not just like smoothing over those parts or, or filling the cracks in, but it's actually creating a whole new container for his spirit to dwell in. Spurgeon, a, a well-known Christian scholar, puts it this way. He says, a man is like a watch, which has a new mainspring, not a mere face and arms and hands repaired, but new inward machinery with freshly adjusted works, which acted to a different time and tune. And whereas he went wrong before, now he goes right because he is right within. The transformation that we find when Jesus is our recreator is total, is complete. It's not just changing our outward what we do, but it's changing and, and, and creating something new within us of who we are. And it's not that we lose our personality or that we lose the distinction that, that makes us us, but it means that it's, it's something that's Jesus, uh, being our recreator, actually causes us to be more ourselves because he is the one who knows exactly how we work. And so the good news of Jesus is that our brokenness doesn't need to stay broken. Our pain, our past, our upbringing, our choices, they don't have to define us because the light of the world has come to bring whole, wholeness, healing, and transformation. This belief in Jesus means that we are born of God, and scripture says that. We are part of his family as his children who are loved by him. Do you feel displaced today? Do you feel displaced? You can find belonging and meaning in God's family. Do you feel alone? I'm sure many of us do because of what's going on around us. Well, you can find hope and community and communion with God today. 
John makes it clear that what it requires is simply to believe in Jesus and to be adopted into his family. There's a family for you today. What I love about this passage is that John doesn't just suggest for people to believe in Jesus because I said so or because Jesus said so and just leave it at that. But actually what John does is then he explains in the further, uh, in the next passages, who Jesus is. To say, no, like, I don't just want you to believe in him, but I want you to know who he is and have that change your belief. There's a lot to unpack in this short passage, but the crux of it is found in verse 14. It says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Well, Jesus, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus chose to dwell with us here on earth. In the message, Eugene Peterson comments on this passage saying, the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. I think it's such a great picture that we see where the, the creator, also the recreator, this like vast, hard to understand person came to earth fully man and fully God, not just to like shake and wag a finger at us close up, but to dwell amongst us, to set up around us, to be within us. Jesus is close to his creation that he's redeeming. He's not some far off um, entity that we don't ever get to be close to, but he's with us. He is near us, he's amongst us, he's within us. And not only that, but he's full of grace and truth. And when we read this, we kind of, it can be easy in our minds to think, well, he's 50% grace and 50% truth. But that's not the truth at all. He's actually 100% grace and 100% truth. John 1 talks a lot about light and darkness, and this theme kind of runs through the whole of the book. But to be honest, when I read this kind of, and see this kind of metaphor that we're, we have here, I can actually find myself a bit uncomfortable when it comes to this theme. Because we often talk about the light exposing the darkness and the light shining on those places, and it's good and true, and, and we see in scripture that that's what happens. But when I read that, I can sometimes find myself a little bit uncomfortable because it can feel exposed. It can feel incredibly vulnerable. There's no more pretense left when the light exposes the darkness around us and in us. Where we can feel like we're on the main stage in front of everybody and all of these flaws are being shown to the crowds. But this is not how Jesus is because his light is full of grace and truth. Because today, if we were to pair Jesus's light with truth, but not with grace, all we do is experience and reinforce shame, disconnect, and hiding from God and others. But if we pair Jesus's light with grace and not truth, then we reinforce compromise in such a way that doesn't bring people closer to Jesus, that weakens their faith actually, because they can kind of just continue to compromise along the way. And there's no thing that, that causes them to want to be closer to Jesus and be more like him. And as I was kind of researching this idea, I came across a quote from another church and it says, truth without grace is brutal and grace without truth is sentimental. Truth and grace are the gospel. This quote was a great reminder for me and something that I feel like I'm continually learning. 
At the beginning of my message, I mentioned that what we reflect is an overflow of the state of our heart. And I remember in my first year of college, when I was writing that paper, but in the whole year, where I was excited about pursuing God's call for my life, I was surrounded by all of these like-minded people. And they were much wiser, more mature than I was. I surrounded myself with people who were upperclassmen. And I wore kind of these rose-colored glasses. I put people on a pedestal that was maybe too high and unfair for them to be on. So when I was met with these same people's brokenness, I responded in a way that caused a lot of pain and a lot of hurt. Instead of reflecting who Jesus is by being full of grace and truth, I chose to respond and act toward those around me in a way that was full of truth, but that was void of grace. I would speak the truth of scripture to them. I would call them to that standard. I would have that conversation with them, but I would do it without being equally as gracious. And, and my default is just kind of to be somebody who like stands on and believes and follows truth, um, but struggles or lacks in the whole grace category. And so for a time, that personality that I have of being like strongly tilted towards truth is satisfying. It's satisfying because it provides a temporary feeling of vindication where it's like, yeah, they now know how they should be. I had the right motive. I wanted people to choose God's best for them, but in no way was I loving. In no way did I help them be closer to Jesus. And in no way did I produce life change in another person. And instead, what I reaped from those conversations was brokenness, was hurt, was pain, was disconnect from those people, was a loss of friendship and relationship with those around me. It never helped produce life change and it never was loving. It required me to repent a lot. It required me to rebuild trust. Step by step, pebble by pebble of all of those walls that I had torn down. So this has been a constant, continual process in my life of not just having some grace and some truth, but being somebody who communicates grace and truth in equal measure and force. And to be honest, to have both at the same time is incredibly difficult. It's actually much easier to singularly communicate truth or singularly communicate grace, but it's much more difficult to blend the two in equal force. But when we do that, we will actually be the most loving that we can be to a world who desperately needs it. When we do this at the same time, yes, it's more difficult, but it means that we look more like Jesus. And so when I'm reminded of Jesus being full of grace and truth, suddenly his light exposing the dark parts of my life doesn't mean or doesn't create the same feeling of discomfort. Because Jesus exposing the darkness in our lives is not something to condemn or to hurt, but to bring truth that will change our life and grace, which disarms shame and disconnect from him so that we can freely believe in him so that we can have that relationship restored with him. And we see that his grace is not just a one-time warranty. Scripture says it's grace upon grace, that he will not give up on you, that he will extend grace to you every time you ask for it. But I want you to know that he will also extend truth at the same time, because what he wants is not for you to stay stuck where you are, but to continue forward in relationship and restoration with him and with the world. 
So it can seem difficult to know how to be someone who's fully gracious and fully truthful. And I wish that I could give you just like the reason or the way, but I think it's not quite as black and white as we make it seem. I think it really exists in many areas of gray. But to see the best examples of how grace and truth in equal measure and equal force is shown, I think you need to stay with us throughout this, this series of John because we see the best example in that scripture of Jesus, the one who is perfectly full of grace and truth, where he interacts with people throughout the Gospel of John in a way that shows both grace and truth. And so as much as I wish I could give you all the answers right now, it's going to be something that we'll need to unpack together throughout this series. But at last we see this passage that Jesus is also the clearest revelation of God's character and heart. They're not opposed, they're not separate or different, but they're unified. Jesus' life and ministry revealed God and his heart for the whole of humanity. Because Jesus' role on earth was not just to show the concepts of what God is, but to show them the personhood of who God is. And so if you want to see today what God looks like, then look at the life of Jesus. Because here is the clearest and only sign and revelation of God, because he is the word. He is the word among us. So if you're someone who's exploring faith and haven't made that decision to, to fully believe in him, this is the Jesus that I know, the one that I just described, one who is loving, who is fully gracious, fully truthful, and who is personal to you. And this passage earlier talked about some people missing out on Jesus. Today, can I encourage you to be bold? That maybe you've heard about Jesus before. Maybe you've heard a misrepresentation of who Jesus is before. But, and, and, and as a result, you, you never made the decision to believe in him, and yet you fall, feel him again drawing you in, drawing you toward himself. Don't let this be a moment that scripture says where you miss out on him. Because his light is there to bring a recreation to you, a recreation of you, to mend what is broken, to bring purpose and meaning to your life, and also to the eternity that comes after death. And what it takes is to recognize that we are broken, that we have made mistakes, but to also then believe in him and to allow him to change your life over a lifelong process. Well, if you want to take that next step in, in the gift of salvation in Jesus, then I want, you, I want to pray with you at the end of our message. So stay with us for just a moment longer. If you're already a believer, this passage still tr holds truth for us today as we look more and more like Jesus. Because as we reflect on the invitation and the person of Jesus, I want to leave us with two pieces of scripture to consider that will help us become more like him of being full of grace and truth. Colossians 4, 6 says, Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. And, and salt here, it's kind of like a weird term, but it's a metaphor meaning seasoned with grace and also against corruption or against something that's going to hurt or hinder somebody else. And then 1 Peter 3.15 says, Always be prepared to give a defense to everyone who asks you the reason for the hope that is in you, but respond with gentleness and respect. Well, Bob Goff has a great quote that says, I don't want to be an advertisement for God. I want to be proof of him. And this is our goal, friends. This is our goal when we are full of grace and truth like Jesus. We may not get it right every time. We probably won't. But as we allow him to lead us, we too can reflect him to a world that desperately needs a savior. Just as I've been considering 
the, the combination of truth and grace. Maybe think of something that's going on in our culture right now, and I'm sure you've heard about it, but it's called cancel culture where what will happen is on social media or even in the news or the press that people will dredge up all of these mistakes that people have made in the past and as a result then choose to cancel them. So to completely um, shuffle them to the sides, to condemn them for what they're doing, no not even what they're doing but what they did, and to completely kind of demolish their life. And it's, it's a little bit of a misplaced sense of justice and I, and I can understand the premise of it. But I think this cancel culture that we're finding is one that is very heavily based on what we would, culture would believe is truth and is very, very void of grace. And I think that there is importance of accountability, there's importance of integrity, there's importance of owning our mistakes, there's importance of knowing that when you're a public figure that your life is under more scrutiny than others. But at the same time too, cancel culture I think is to some extent directly opposed to the gospel. Because what it does is it, yes, may, may show people the truth of what they're, they're doing is wrong, but by no means does it bring restoration. By no means does it bring um, a life change for that person that's, not, that's free of shame, that's free of condemnation. And I think what it does is it actually just causes more and more disconnect in our society, that we're already fully and, and profoundly disconnected. And that cancel culture is, is something that I, that I worry about. Because what I think it does is it, is it communicates the truth, but it does it without grace. And so I want us to really consider how we are communicating to those around us when we find out uh, about some people's past or the brokenness that are, is around them. Because the reality is all of us are broken. All of us have made mistakes and to some extent all of us deserve to be canceled. But the reality is that Jesus, yes, does hold us accountable and does hold us responsible for what we do and what we say. But he does that also with grace and with truth, bringing restoration, bringing truth, bringing reconciliation, and having that transform us into a better and more, more uh, pure version of ourselves because God has created us in his image. So I just want us to like give us a thought of that today as we, as believers, respond to people around us um, that maybe there are bits of culture that are almost getting it right with being strong on truth, but can we also be people who are full of grace? That truly our words are seasoned with the grace of the good news of Jesus. Let's pray together. God, thank you so much that you are with us. And as we mentioned before, if there are those of you who are um, who are feeling that draw towards you, Jesus. I pray that you would just capture their hearts right now. I pray that they would recognize in this moment, maybe even out loud, um, that they have made mistakes, that they are broken in some way. But Jesus, I pray that as they also utter that they believe in you and accept you, Lord, I pray that you would bring transformation to their life, that you would bring uh, such a, a recreation of who they are, that you would restore them that you would be with them, that you would dwell amongst them. God, we thank you that you are full of grace and truth and that those things are not opposed to each other and they're not separate from each other, but they're in equal force towards us. And so I pray that people would experience both the truth and the grace of who you are as they accept you as their savior. God, we thank you for those people and we celebrate with them, although far away from them. 
And God, as we are here as believers, I pray that our, our words and our witness would be seasoned and full of grace and truth as well. God, I pray that you would continue to make those foundations solid so that we can continue to build great things upon it. Build things upon it that glorify you and that bring people into a closer relationship with you. So God, help us because we cannot do it on our own. We cannot be people full of grace and truth on our own striving, but it is only by your transformation. And so God, I pray that you continue to make us look more and more like you each day. We thank you for the grace and truth that you've shown to each one of us. May we continue to have it transform us. We love you and we pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, if you made that decision today to believe in Jesus for the first time, I just want to say that we want to celebrate with you. And we also want you to know that this is not made to be done alone. And so if you're bold or if you're brave, can you just maybe write in the comments right now, like, hey, I just believe, like, I just accepted Jesus or um, something along those lines so that we can just identify you, not to pick you out amongst the crowd, but to celebrate with you to walk alongside of you, to continue to answer any questions you may have, because we want this to be a safe place to explore that newfound faith that you have. So if that's you, you can do that on our stream right now. Uh, you can also go onto our website, myevangel.church, and there is a contact us page that you can just write a quick note to us. It's a little bit more um, private or confidential, but we would love to just continue to walk together in that. Thank you so much for joining us, and we're gonna see you guys hopefully next week. Well, thank you for that message. It was so encouraging. And I know that um, one of our values here is that we would look more and more like Jesus every day. And so really that happens when we engage with a relationship with Jesus and allow him to transform us. So I hope that you were encouraged to lean into a relationship with God coming out of this Sunday. Well, we have a few announcements for you that we just want to highlight. There aren't very many because there's not a whole lot going on, <laughs> um, but we do have a few. Yeah. Well, the first one is, uh, is that tomorrow, like not only is today Valentine's Day, but tomorrow now you get to spend with your family. And so because it's family day, it is uh, a day that we close our office. And so uh, we won't be here tomorrow, but we are here from Tuesday until Thursday throughout the rest of the week. But thank you so much for allowing us to just spend time, uh, whether in person or virtually with our families. Mm -hmm. Well, as you probably are aware, the provincial health orders were extended for the province of BC. Mm -hmm. And we really do want to be good citizens of the province and the country that God has placed us in. And so we are going to be um, just continuing to mm -hmm. walk out whatever we're allowed to do. Now, we, <laughs> we miss you. And I know that this is so hard for all of us. We really would love to be mm -hmm. together. This is definitely second best. <laughs> we really do realize that, but um, I just thank you for your faithfulness and in being good witnesses of Jesus and yeah. the peace that he calls us to live in with the government around us. And so um, continue to pray for our leaders mm -hmm. as they walk through these hard calls that they have to make. And let's do that with joy and with gentleness and with peace mm -hmm. um, and sow those things into our community. Now, one of the cool things that they made allowance for yeah. in this new provincial health order is that they recognize that spiritual care is an important part of holistic health. And so one of the things that they have allowed going forward is that clergy are allowed to have visits with members of their congregation who would like spiritual care. 
So if you are walking through a time where you just would like some prayer, or maybe you would like to do communion in person with one of our pastoral team, just call the office, 604-483-4283, and we'll set up an appointment. Yeah, this um, can be in your home. Yeah, it can yeah. be in your home. The building has always been open. Yep. You are welcome to come in and meet with us one-on-one. -on -one. But if that's somehow prohibitive mm -hmm. and you would like us to come to you, that is now allowed. And so we are so thankful to the government of British Columbia for making that allowance for mm -hmm. that to happen going forward. Yeah, for sure. And then finally, if what we do here is adding to your faith, um, we just want to uh, say thank you for your giving that you've uh, invested over the past year and even in the beginning of this year. And so if you want to continue to give to what we do here at Evangel, there are a couple ways that you can do that. So we're actually here at the church right now. And so you're able to come in for drive-through generosity where you can come around, give, say hi to us. We'd love to see you. We would love to show you some of our updates of our foyer as we've been renovating. So come see. Um, and then if not, you can give online at myevangel.church forward slash give or throughout the week, um, for this week particularly, from Tuesday to Thursday, from 9 a.m. until 5. And so thank you so much, guys, for your faithfulness. It's allowed us to continue um, to create content for people online to explore faith in Jesus. And so we really appreciate your investment into our ministry here. Well, thanks guys so much for joining us, and we'll see you again next week. Happy Valentine's Day.